Welcome everyone to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show built with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. James here, coming at you with episode number 38 of the Inside Japan Podcast. As you can tell, my voice is not doing great. I've been doing a lot of jet interview practices today. I did actually six of them, and uh, yeah, my voice is feeling it, but the show must go on, so you can enjoy the sounds of this gravelly James here. But today, guys, we got a really hot one. It is episode 38, brought to you by jobsjapan.com and the Patreon supporters, of course, but this one is a special one. This is one I've been wanting to get for years now. I can literally say that, years I've been wanting to interview a foreigner that works at a sake brewery, uh, Nihonshu Brewery, uh, any of those I would have taken. But yeah, this Andrew here, he works at a sake brewery. I saw him actually. This is the depths that which I go f- to for this show, guys. I was looking uh, – some of the, uh, the, I like those PR videos that, that different prefectures put together. I just find them interesting. Um, I always give them a watch, you know, like uh, different prefects around Japan will make a PR video to show the good points to try to get tourism up. And I believe it was uh, one of those videos or maybe one of the related videos that kind of led to me to seeing uh, something on a brewery. And the, it was beautifully filmed and everything I was watching, I was enjoying it. And then I saw Andrew here, a foreigner working at this brewery. And I said, you know what? I always wanted to interview a person working at a brewery. So I'm going to put in the work here to figure out, you know, how, if I can get in touch with this person. So after a little bit of a uh, searching, uh, internet stalking, some might call it, I did find Andrew and I sent him a message and he said, well, I want to do the interview, but I got to wait till I have time. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I, everyone has to find time for interviews, of course. They're always, you know, giving me their time for the interview. But he was like, well, it's brewing season right now, and I don't have a, a day off for the next four weeks. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that is a little bit different situation. So, uh, yeah, huge thanks to Andrew for taking the time. His, his little, as you listen to this episode, you'll see that free time is not something that sake brewers, brewers have. And uh, he gave up me 30 or 40 minutes of his time for this. So I want to say thanks and be sure, guys, to check him out at his website, originsake.com. And he has some social links there as well. Follow him on there, please, because he has good stuff. Awesome pictures of brewing, of brewing. Awesome pictures of the brewery. Uh, he says good stuff, so it's worth following, anyways. And just say thanks because this is a guy that works his ass off and uh, gave you thirty minutes of time to help you guys learn about what it's like to work at a brewery. And happily, if you want to do this after listening, how you can maybe do it yourself. So yeah, awesome interview. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you guys for listening. Please enjoy my interview with Andrew, sake brewer extraordinaire. Enjoy. All right, guys. Very special guest today. His name is Andrew. He's doing some cool things in Japan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Pretty good. I got uh, Thanks so much for your time today. I know you're a really busy person, and I, I'm sure as we talk tonight, people will learn why you're so busy. Uh, but I think you're doing something really cool, and uh, something that I think uh, something that not so many foreigners in Japan are doing for sure, and uh, people might be interested in that. So why don't you tell people, what are you doing now in Japan professionally? Um, so I'm a, what they call a kurabito, um, or brewery worker uh, in a, a Two, nearly 250-year-old uh, sake brewery in uh, Okayama, Japan. 
There you go, guys. So yeah, I found Andrew here. There was a website about, there's a YouTube video about something. Then Andrew was there. I was like, oh, well, Andrew's doing that. That's pretty cool. I got my interest. I messaged Andrew a long time ago. We finally got to make it happen. So I'm in, very excited to learn about what you're doing in Japan and how you kind of got there. Um, so yeah, let's get to that starting point. I mean, what was it about Japan that made you want to work there in the first place, even if it wasn't with sake brewing or whatever you did? What got you interested in Japan in the very first place? Uh, I, going way back, uh, I'll cut out some of the story because it's a bit long, but going way back, um, it was kind of a, I wanted to spend a year abroad somewhere. Um, and for British people, you can you can get a very, very easy one-year uh, working holiday visa in, I think, Australia, Canada, um, somewhere else, and then Japan. Um, and out of the four of them, Japan just seemed the, the natural choice. It was going to be the biggest challenge with the language barrier, etc. Um, and yeah, when I, when I came out there and finished my year, uh, I just absolutely fell in love with the place. Um, so the first thing I did when I got back, um, which I was actually supposed to go back to my previous job as a BMW salesman, um, but I, I didn't actually enroll at uh, Edinburgh University uh, instead uh, and uh, took a four-year degree in Japanese studies. Um, and a year of that included coming back to Japan. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of the second time it was just inevitable that I was going to come back out and work here. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's really how it how it happened. So, wow! So I got to know then. Maybe you can elaborate on that. What was it about Japan? Do you think that got you that that hard? What hooked you that hard in one year that uh, made you want to come back? I don't know. There, there's there's a there's a kind of energy about it. Right? There's there's always something random happens, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a really really good way. Um, I, I do like the um, this this may be quite. Surprising to some, but I do like the drinking culture here. Um, you know, izakayas are, <laughs> in my eyes, a unique kind of establishment, and they have a certain atmosphere that I've never um, had in any other uh, any other type of bar in the world. Um, and yeah, I just I just like that sort of food and drink culture about uh, about Japan, and it's a beautiful place as well. So that's really cool. Yeah, so you liked it that much. You went to college for it. Uh... And that takes that shows how much you wanted to be here. So, how exactly did you go about coming to Japan after your college studies? What did you what uh, avenue did you take then? Um, well, I was offered a job. I, I won't go into too much detail. But I was offered a job at quite a big company, um, and let's just say uh, it didn't suit my lifestyle. Um, so, I came over with sort of high hopes of doing quite well at this company, um, and within about a month, um, I was sort of ready just to come back to to you know go back to the UK. Um, it just it wasn't for me after 12 years working for for a very very big company um, you know one of the reasons I got out was to do something different and it just felt like the the, the working culture was was too similar to what I what I'd had in the past and I didn't see the point in doing doing the same thing in Japan um, and so if at that bottom point um, I actually contacted a friend of mine who who I knew was into to sake. Um, he, he actually works in the industry, and I said, "Look, you've got to get me out of this job." Um, and he said, "Yeah, no problem." He said, "There's there's two companies I know right out, right away that are looking for someone. Um, both will be very difficult to convince the owners to let you work there." He said, "But I'll do everything I can to help you." Um, so the, the the first place that um, I got offered an interview, we actually came together. I went with my friend, who's Japanese, and he helped me out because my my Japanese was was uh, terrible at the time. I mean, it's still not great, but it was it was terrible at the time. 
Um, and we kind of both did this bizarre thing in the interview where we, we, we were both getting interviewed by the by the, the Shacho. Um, and then, yeah, after about a month, to my surprise, he said, yeah, come and work for me. Um, so, so, yeah, that was it. But so, yeah, I don't want to get into your previous, the job before Sake Brewing too much. But was it was it a teaching job or was something else, like in the office or something you didn't, you didn't like about it? No, it was it was um, it was a sales role. Okay. Um, uh, for for a very big company, as I say, I was in sales for for twelve years, um, and it and it paid very well. Um, you got a nice new car every three months, um, so there was lots of perks with it, but you didn't have any free time, um, and that was one of the reasons why I left that industry. I just I didn't, it it just wasn't doing it for me anymore. And the job that the job that I came to New Japan was just was just so similar. Um, but I wasn't doing it in, my, in a language that I was comfortable with. Um, it wasn't the product didn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I just I thought, well, what's the point in doing the same thing here for less money? Um, I could just go back. I mean, the job was open for me back in the UK. Um, but I thought, you know, I've, I've gone to all this trouble, um, and you know, Nihonshu or sake uh, is is just something that. You know, after you know three or four years of intensely studying it, I'm just scratching the surface of it. Um, it just constantly keeps me interested. So, um, and it's a, it's a lifetime of study ahead as well. So, so yeah, I thought, yeah, let's just let's just go for it and uh, and see where it takes me. So that's awesome. Yeah. So then you get that interview with the, the shot show there, and uh, obviously he likes you enough to give you the job. So let us know what that's like. I mean, getting into that industry a whole uh that field and your japanese like you said your japanese wasn't that great it must have been i mean scary exciting all those things mixed into one so what was it like for you when you first started there yeah i mean uh i mean it was obviously very nervous it was obviously it for, for me though um I, I remember the the first couple of months in the in the brewery um everything was just amazing though um you know bear in mind I, I was a very very big fan of of sake before i went in um, so the stuff that you're reading about, um, and you know the the stuff that you're watching on documentaries and films and things, I was in that situation. Um, so it was it was kind of like it was just surreal for for the first couple of months, um, you know, to be able to to talk to a master brewer every day and you know talk to my senpai that were you know the, some of them have got years and years of experience, um, and of course the sake flows in breweries as well. I mean we we drink it. For, for sounds ridiculous to say this, but we drink it for work purposes as well, um, <laughs> to see what other people are doing in different styles and stuff. Um, but of course, it wasn't without difficulties. It's it's a very traditional industry. Um, I, I probably Japanese became probably the least of my worries. Um, the the biggest the, the biggest problem I had was you know assimilating into the into the culture of such a strict brewery. You know you have most Japanese people that have studied about Jap- Japan will know about Kohai Senpai, um, but but it, it kind of it really really is quite rigid. You know the everything from the order in which you wash your hands before you go into the brewery and you clock out at night is all done in this very very strict order of of uh, of your rank in the brewery, um, and just things like that that I wasn't aware of possibly being rude to my senpai or. You know things like that. So there was a, there's a lot facing a young foreign brewer when you when you first go into the brewery. Um, it, it isn't a straightforward uh, environment. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, because you know other you know industries in Japan, and you know hear about the the 
Gohai Senpai system. If everyone doesn't know what that is, that is kind of your superiors at your workplace kind of are in, not in, I want to say in charge of you in all cases, but they kind of, they come above you in the, in the ranking. And then there's a, there's, there's like a little dance that is played around that kind of stuff. Like you said, you said like washing hands and stuff. It's probably done in order. I imagine. And you, you have to follow that order. And if you don't follow that order, you're, you're messing up the, the culture kind of, you know, like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So, um, how long would you say it took you to kind of get, um, to feel a part of the place? I mean, to feel really, Hey, I'm here and now I understand I'm here. I'm a weird worker here. Was there any kind of, maybe at the beginning, any kind of, Feel, strange feeling from the other workers that kind of didn't accept you right away. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I have now that I think back on it, you have to kind of um, remember that um, J- Japan is uh, is is not normal in that sense. They've they've not had, um, you know, like I think to the UK and when when I speak to, I mean, we don't really use the word foreigner for one thing in the UK that often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because we're we're such a, a diverse. You know, mix of people in Japan it is different, and I have to kind of think back to, to when I started. What and, and put myself in their shoes. What what would it have been like for, uh, you know, if I was Japanese and this this foreigner? I mean, most of them hadn't even met a foreigner, um, or, or so they told me uh, eventually that they hadn't even met a foreigner. So they they had these kind of uh, preconceptions of you know what I was going to be like and everything like that, um, and. Yeah, I suppose you do kind of have to change your behaviour a little bit um, to to kind of make it easier for them. Um, but but I'm quite lucky that I've got I have got a great senpai, um, and once they got past and once they saw that you know the, well the main thing I suppose is once they saw that I was actually making an effort um, and that I wasn't going to be lazy and turn up late or you know or answer back or you know any of these kind of things that possibly they they uh, been led to believe or or preconceptions that they had about foreigners. Once they saw that these these you know things were not true, um, then it's it, it becomes absolutely normal and you're just you're just one of the gang. So um, so yeah, but it did take a little bit of time uh, at the beginning to to get to that stage. Awesome, so. awesome. So let, let, let's get us in that world a little bit. I mean, I know that it's a very a lot of steps in the process. We can't go into everything, obviously, but. Can you give me a little bit of what a day is like for for Andrew here? Do you change roles depending on the year? Do you always do the same thing? Do you do one station and learn the next station or something? How does it work for you? Um, well, every brewery is different. Um, the the traditional brewing system, um, most of the brewers would, well, nearly all of them, they would have live-in brewers. Um, so you have the toji or the, the master brewer um, who is not – in fact, very, very rarely are they the owner. This is a modern thing where they're the, actually the owner of the business. Normally, they're given you know, a big lump of money by an owner, and the owner won't even go into the brewery. And then you have your team of brewers, um, and they'll, they'll literally live there for the five, six months of the year. Um, our brewery is, uh, I suppose, like a lot of them, they're, they're becoming a bit more modern thinking, and they, they want to kind of, there's not that many people willing to do that kind of job anymore. Um, that are, are going to work for six months, literally without a day off. Um, so we've got um, we've got nine members of staff, um, of which the the owner is one of them. But our owner is also our master brewer. Um, but as of this year, um, I've started to um, to live in the brewery. That's where I'm talking to you from now. Um, but not all of us. Um, so me and me and the Chateau, the the, the Toji. So I, I, I my day starts uh, on a good day about six o'clock in the morning. 
um, we do about an hour's work to, to get the place prepared. Um, and then we, we take a break and then the, the other uh, the other staff turn up uh, around about eight o'clock and we have chore or the, the assembly, which is just a very, very quick thing. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's it, it's kind of everyone kind of is works as a team in the mornings. Usually um, we do what's called shikomi, which is mashing. I suppose you would translate it. Um, we would put all the ingredients in the tanks and then it kind of splits off into other things. Um, do we change it year to year? Yeah, I suppose we do. Um, we, we try and, um, I mean, I've not been there that long. I know what my, my senpai were doing 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, they seem to know what they're doing very well. And they're quite a tight-knit team. So I guess they've switched roles quite a lot. So um, yeah, and they, they'll work until about five o'clock. Um, and then uh, me and the Shacho will prepare koji, which is the... I suppose it's the magic behind sake brewing, but it's it's a living organism. You can't take your eyes off it for a minute. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll do our last communal shift um, anywhere up until ten o'clock at night. Uh, most times it's about half past nine, uh, and that's the day finished. So, but that that's I, I've only just started that um, the, the year. So uh, the living in the living in system of you live there and work there, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, and that that goes on really for you said it's seasonal. So like like six months. That's your day, and it's not like it's Monday. It's Monday to Monday, I guess. Right. I want to say that's that's your kind of schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, on on a Sunday, it tend, it tends to calm down a little bit on a Sunday. Um, you know, for example, I have this Sunday off, but that that will be my only day off this month. Um, but Sundays we 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 do tend to finish a little bit earlier. Um, and we have a skeleton staff in on a Sunday. Um, but outside of that, every day is just a normal day until the spring. Um, so we, we, we go at it from the uh, the 1st of November, I think we started this year. In fact, we started in October this year, apologies. Um, and when we have our Shinshu uh, Matsuri, the um, the kind of final um, you know opening of the Kura, it's a very traditional thing. It, it opens to the public um, that happens about the middle of April um, and then we have golden week and everyone's on holiday so so yeah it's a pretty intense schedule <laughs> yeah it sounds uh, like it's it. effectively the best part of half a year uh, in the brewery so so I guess the obvious question is what about the other half of the year is that is that vacation time for Andrew or you still got to do some stuff um it's vacation time in the sense we all get Saturday Sunday off um, and we get the we get the odd long weekend and things. Um, so I suppose it kind of reverts to what most people would consider a full-time job. Um, so it, it really does feel like you're getting a lot more time off. And, and as I said, we do get long weekends and things. Um, but the summer, it doesn't really stop, if you know what I mean. The, the momentum is still in the brewery. We do other things. We do events. We do tastings. Um, we, we have to pasteurize and things like that at certain points. Um, you know, all the new products don't come out on the same you know, during the during the brewing season, um, some of them are, are rested and matured and things like that. Um, me personally, um, because I'm the only English speaker in the company, um, I do do a lot of translation. Um, we have had quite a lot of visitors, foreign visitors to the brewery. Uh, in fact, just last week, um, we had someone from uh, Switzerland. Um, we had two people from Singapore. Um, tomorrow, we've got a fellow Brit coming to the brewery. 
Um, so we do. There's a lot of interest abroad in in sake. So when we get these visitors, that tends to take up a huge part of your day, um, showing them round and you know letting them taste the sake and things like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, there there is there is that side to my role as well. That um, I, I do do a lot of translation, interpretation, and and guiding foreign visitors as well. Our visitors see it as kind of a nuisance. I always wonder about that when they come, you know, like, oh, God, here's the, we got to give a little tour here. I'd rather just be doing this so we can finish a little bit earlier. How do you feel about that, honestly? Um, well, the, 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 uh, the actual thing with visitors is they're never a nuisance because they would never be allowed to come uh, when, we're, when we're busy. Um, it, it isn't a guarantee that you can turn up at the brewery. You can't just rock up and say, can you show me around? Okay. Um, the, 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 it's, uh, some breweries you can um, but but not many. I mean, if you go to, if someone, if any of your listeners are, are wanting to know where you can do that kind of thing, uh, then the obvious places are Nada in, in near Kobe uh, or in Kobe uh, in Hyogo Prefecture, uh, and you can do the same thing for most of the places in Fushimi in Kyoto. Um, but the, these are the, the those two areas are where the the absolute giants of the industry are all based. Okay. Um, they they have. You know, it's a hugely polarized industry, and you've got some absolute giant breweries there. And these places have got museums attached to them, like um, you know, huge big gift shops. And if you, if you go there, I went myself. It's it's a, it's a great day out actually. And um, you go there, and there's literally busloads of tourists just turning up every every hour, um, with the guides and everything like that. Wow. Like, um... Then you have a huge drop off to smaller breweries. Um, which really some of them will just flat out say no. Um, our brewery tends to be people that, that we know or that, how are you going to put this, that, that go about it the right way by getting in contact with, through the correct channels and asking, and then they'll, they'll come at a time that we decide um, that's fit for us. Um, and it's not a kind of arrogant thing. It's just when you've only got eight or nine staff some of these brewers are talking three or four uh, some less it's just purely logistics they don't have the manpower to be bringing people in and uh, you know having you know tourists walking around the brewery and then the hygiene as well when you're brewing you, the last thing you want is people coming in of you know been eating certain things the night before that brewers are not allowed to eat um you know wearing perfumes and all that kind of thing it's 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 not good for the sake so that's interesting. You said you, things brewers are not allowed to eat. Is that because you might get something in the, I can, I know sake is really based on the, I've seen the videos of like the rice is set on the table and you throw that, uh, koji, right? Is what it's called on the, on the rice. And yeah. it's kind of like a real, it's kind of like a little, looks like kind of a dance. I don't know if that's how you guys do it, but it seems like kind of a dance. Like you, like kind of, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of spray, lightly coat the rice with the, with the koji just the right way. Is that how you guys really do it? Yeah, so it's actually called koji kin. Uh, what we're trying to make is koji, but okay. yeah, it's, it's effectively a mold that we're sprinkling on the rice to make the rice go moldy. Um, yeah, the, the the main concern with sake brewing, uh, to, to go back to your question about things that you can and can't eat, uh, is things that can interfere with the fermentation. Um, so there, there's there's a few ones that, that it varies from brewery to brewery. I've heard things, strange things like mikan. Um, we're 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 allowed to eat mikan, um, but but yogurt uh, on the day that we go into the brewery, yogurt is a, is a no no for us. Um, uh, but the one thing that everyone has in common, and I've never heard of a brewer that doesn't that does let you in, is that is natto. 
Um, Nato is uh, is an absolute no-no um, because yeah, the the you know the it can really really affect the the, the fermentation because it's a fermentated product. Um, so yeah, it, that that's a definite no-no before you go into breweries and obvious things as well like perfumes and even deodorant um, in certain parts of the brewery is not good as well. So. I got to, you know, I've always want to ask, like, you know, you have a job where it seems like every day, it, your job every day is to make sure you do the exact same thing you did yesterday, right? Because consistency is really important in that kind of stuff, like a bakery or I have a sake brewery as well. Uh, does it become like, is every day doing the same thing, just trying to do a better job of what you did yesterday? Or is there more varied uh, tasks you have to do? Um, no, it does, it does vary because the, 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 the you know, a brewery like us, we're, we're a very small brewery and we're, uh, I suppose we're, we're what you call traditional as well. Um, but so we make a we make a a broad range of different styles. Um, you know, some some breweries will do the whole spectrum, um, but there there's a lot of different styles of sake when you when you get into it. And it certainly goes beyond, um, you know, just this this uh, this call tonight. Um, but you have things like Yamaha method and the Kimoto method, and you know the, these require completely different um, you know processes from the brewers. Um, and some of them very, very time-consuming. Um, for example, this week and last week, in fact, today, we had our final um, shikomi, our mashing um, of uh, premium daiginjo. Um, and it's very, very different from making daiginjo um, or you know any of the other categories. It takes a lot more time and the processes are much more by hand um, and uh, you know much more carefully done. Um, so, so yeah, it, it does. It does kind of vary, um, and also not everything goes right as you'd like to hope. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are sometimes reacting to the problems that arise during the brewing season. So interesting. Uh, how about um, what do you think? You know, your brewery has been around a long time. You said I think you said over hundred years or something. I believe two hundred thirty years. Yeah. So uh, now, to me, as the layman, I'm not. You know, I'm not the biggest uh, sake connoisseur. I like it, but it's not like wow. I it's really I'm a kind of sore of it in any way. Uh, so, what do you think makes like what makes yours like better? Right? Was there any kind of what what makes your sake different than the guy next store, which I'm assuming does the same process, right? What do you think makes it? What makes sake unique for each brewery? Yeah, well, the the first thing is um, the 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 brewers don't do it all the same. Oh. Um, when 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 you look at, um, in fact, it. it it couldn't be anything anything further. Um, I, I do a lot of brewery visits because because I, I love it. It's it's kind of my my passion. So even when I'm on my day off, I try and get to to as many breweries and do visits, uh, do as many brewery visits as possible. And the reason is, um, every time I go to one of these breweries, and I promise you, every time I go, I learn something new or I see something that I wasn't expecting. Um, they have some quirk that they, they do this a certain way and you think, why on earth are they doing that? Uh, but it works for them and it makes sense for them. Um, so, you know, when you get to the sort of smaller breweries, the, you know, the, the, the family run ones like, you know, ourselves and, you know, our, our breweries of our size, um, they all have a certain personality to them and they all do things a, a certain, a different way. Um, is is one of the probably when you start really getting into sake, it's probably one of the most fascinating things about the industry. Wow, wow, that's really cool. Um, I, I this is this is kind of a working in Japan podcast. So I have to ask. Let's say someone out there listening say, "Hey, I want to do this too." Uh, is there? Uh, you kind of had that friend that gave you the in. Is there a way they can 
kind of get away into this industry to find work there? How would you do that again? If you had to do it again, what kind of avenue would you take to work at a uh, different sake brewery? If you didn't have the experience already, I mean. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one because a lot of a lot of the people that I know um, that, and there's not many of them, obviously, but um, the the people that you speak to that have either had brewing experience uh, or are currently doing it that that are foreigners, um, they all seem to have this kind of same thing. It all happened by chance or a chance encounter. Uh, I mean, I I'd, I'd met my my chateau before my friend introduced me um, at, at a sake event. Um, yeah, it's it's the old adage. It's not what you know; it's who you know. Um, <laughs> you, you just have to somehow get a connection, um, because yeah, they're they're not really, you know, they're not really the kind of places that um, that you're you're going to see big adverts and you know, gaijin pot or something like that for for a sake brewer. Um, they're, they're they mostly collect you know workers from. You know, from within their local communities, first and foremost, um, because most of them, you know, li- the 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 owners want the brewery staff to live close to the brewery because they're there that often. Um, so most of the time, they're looking locally. Um, h- how else would you do it? Just have, I suppose, the, the the guts to to be making inquiries and and being direct with them uh, and telling them that you want to work for them, uh, and you and you just never know. Um, you know what will happen, um, but it really is just about getting a connection, getting the right connection, uh, and and hoping something clicks. What's the kind of the future for you? Would you? I mean, I know it's tough to think about, maybe, but is the goal of a sake brewery to just kind of work work their way up and work your way up that you know sent by go high level, or what are you thinking about? What do you see yourself in five years? I guess. I mean, I get asked this all the time. Uh, I mean, to put it into perspective, um, to to date, you know, as we speak right now, um, there has only ever been one non-Japanese master brewer um, who actually um, happens to be British as well. Um, What is he like? He's an incredibly strong, uh, gifted brewer. um, But it kind of puts it into perspective the what kind of numbers we're talking about here that make it to the master brewer level? Uh, I think maybe by next year there's another guy I know that maybe in the next couple of years, uh, an American guy, um, very very nice guy, very skillful guy, he will probably make it to to master brewer, um, maybe. Um, but even if you want to be, you're not guaranteed. It's not your decision whether you make it to the top. It, it's whether whether or not you last that long and whether or not the, the owner of the company gives you that opportunity. Um, so I get asked this all the time. Am I sure I want to commit myself to, to, to going for that? When I when you when you know, as all brewers do, that they, they could work 25 years, be next in line, and it might never happen. Um, they might reach retirement before that. Um, I haven't quite decided, but the only thing I would say is right now, I can't think of any other job that I would rather do than, than the one I'm doing right now. Um, the thought of going back to an office um, compared to this is just <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't sit well with me. So, so yeah, we'll see in the next few years. But there's a lot to think about. I mean, it's you know, I have to think about my wife and other things like that as well, um, because you know, you're 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 asking your your wife to not see you for five months every single year. Um, there's there's other people to to think about when you make that big decision to whether or not to go um, to become a master brewer. So 
we'll, we'll see. I'm just enjoying it at the moment, learning as much as I can. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see what it, we'll see what it takes me. That's interesting. Yeah. So you really can't, those during those, during the, the, the hot season, I guess the real, you can't even, if you want to go check out, uh, you want to have a date with your wife on the slow day. That's not okay. You can't do that. Hey, during, during the brewing season. Yeah. You, unfortunately, you know, if you ask any, any brewer, this applies to Japanese people as well, depending on the company, obviously some companies, um, you know, some companies will, you, you'll, the staff will go home every day and, you know, and see their wives and kids and, uh, you know, their husbands, because there's a lot of female brewers now as well, obviously. Um, so the industry is changing. They, they've realized that um, to, to have that kind of harsh a condition, there's not many people willing to do that, Japanese or non-Japanese. Um, so they had to kind of change it, and, and it is changing. Um, but it's still, when you're brewing in the winter, there's not really, you don't have much of a social life. Um, yeah, it, it, that is the one thing. Don't, if anyone is thinking, well, that, that sounds great, um, you know, I'd love to, to do that job. You have to prepare yourself for that, that you, you make a commitment to it for half, at least half a year, uh, sorry, half the year, every year, um, where you'll be holed up in a, in a very cold, um, you know, dark brewery um, without you know, without seeing your friends and what have you. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that is the reality of brewing. I want to know, not obviously don't want specifics, but during the six months, are you making like significantly more money? I mean, I, I mean, let's say, I'm sure you know what the average, let's say, ALT makes a month in Japan. Are you making significantly more than that? A little bit more than that? Is this a, a way to make good money or you did you take a pay cut from your previous job to do this? Um, like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, if anyone's thinking sake brewing sounds great, um, it's it's a labour of love, I suppose. You, no one's in it for the money. Um, your 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 salary is uh, is extremely low. Um, you know that there maybe is a brewery out there that's making people rich. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Um, sake brewing, unfortunately, is not a very profitable industry for for most, for the majority. Um, so yeah, you you don't get in it for the money. Um, yeah, if I wanted to make money, then I, I would have stayed in the UK. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, de- definitely don't think that you're going to make. Okay, <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get rich off off sake brewing. Um, yeah, you'll get a lot of overtime in the winter. Um, but the the salary is is just low. That's just the, the bluntest way I can put it. So another a tough thing to explain to the wife, then, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, the, I, again, I won't say go into names, but there's there's a person I know that um, who who became a brewer, um, and yeah, his his wife is uh, is Japanese, uh, and he kind of bargained. <laughs> He sort of tells the story that he bargained with his wife. It was like, "Come on, let me just have this experience and get out of my system." Um, and it, it was a relative of his, uh, of of the wife that owned the brewery. Um, so she sort of agreed to it, um, and it was only supposed to be a one-year thing. And uh, put it this way, he's still brewing. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. wow, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your stuff. And I want to make sure people check out your thing. I see you have a you have a, a cool website that is called sake originsake.com. Uh, what can we expect to find there if we check it out? Um, yeah, we what you can expect to find there is unfortunately a work in progress. Um, I, I didn't I didn't really start it for um, 
you know, for any other reason is I wanted to document these things that I was learning myself. Um, so it kind of went from a very, very early WordPress blog um, to, I thought, well, why not just make a website? Um, so what, what you're going to get there, I suppose, is what, what I like to think you'll get there is, is a kind of real kind of um, perspective from a real fan um, and someone who I suppose I, I know how lucky I am to, to live here and have the kind of connections now that I do to be able to go to some of these places that maybe the doors aren't open um, and, I, and I am very very active in the summer in that respect I, I try and go to, to a lot of different prefectures um, and uh, knock on the door of many breweries and then report back what I've learned and, uh, and put it up there but there's a lot of things that I want to update and add to that website um, but unfortunately everything gets put on hold um, from uh, from basically the end of October um, but yeah there's there's some good information there for beginners beginners that are maybe don't know anything about sake and there's some pretty high level stuff in there as well um, like the, the more advanced brewing techniques and stuff um, but if people continually check it then uh, you will see that it's, it's very gradually getting updated with some pretty interesting stuff. Awesome, yeah. And you also have a Facebook page you can check out and uh, Instagram. There's some awesome pictures and stuff. Anybody interested in this kind of stuff, you got some awesome pictures there of Andrew and even uh, around the brewery doing stuff. Uh, it's really cool. Thank you. Okay, so you know you came on the show now, so I gotta, to, in disrespect, I gotta try the sake you you make, man. So where is this sold uh, around the country? Is it a regional thing that you you guys make, or where can we buy that if we want to buy it? Yeah, um, you 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 can uh, now the, the the system for sake is actually quite strict. So it's, um, this is quite common for breweries. We have uh, we have three brands, um, two of which are local. One one carries the company's name, which is Juhachi Zakari Shuzo, um, but that that's available locally and in some places it's it's available in, in other parts of Japan. Um, but we have a premium brand. Uh, I say premium. It's the, the sake is roughly made to the to the same quality when we talk about Juhachi Zakari and and Takaji. Um, but ta- Takaji is uh, is made to a different style. It's a very fresh style, and that brand is very very strictly uh, controlled. Um, for example, you can't even buy it at the brewery. Um, they're on special contracts to shops that. Um, we we trust them. We know that they're going to refrigerate them properly. We know that they're going to be able to explain them to customers. Um, so you you can buy these. Uh, I actually don't know the names of the of the shops um, in the Tokyo area, but there is places you can buy it in Tokyo. Um, you can buy them in Yokohama. Um, for I'm guessing most of the listeners are there. Um, but there's some great places in uh, right the way across Japan. Um, and yeah, in fact, you can go on our website, which is uh, uh, the the Juhachi Zakari main website, uh, and there's a full listing of where you can buy both brands on there. Awesome, awesome! Yeah, I'll definitely be sure to do that because I want to check it out myself. Because I can see you got a passion for it, and it's awesome you found this kind of you know you found that well, you, you're passionate for it, you're doing that as a job, and that's something that you know everyone wishes they could do. And it's awesome that you found a way to do that. So I mean, yeah. I hope you can keep it going. I hope uh, if if becoming a master brewer is, is is in your is something you want to do, I hope you can do it. I guess I should ask: how, Is there any kind of like now you're a master brewer test or something? How does he really be, get that title? Um, I, again, it's like like everything. Uh, there's there's a long explanation to that answer, but or a long ans- uh, answer to that question. Sorry. Um, the, the in the past they were all um, all the master brewers were they're kind of almost like mercenaries I suppose they were kind of they were sent in from these um, brewers guilds that were round about the country 
Um, you had some really famous ones like the Nambu Guild from Tohoku and things like that. And they're like a kind of collective um, of master brewers and they determine their own standards and they determine their own exams who, who gets to become a master brewer within that guild. Uh, unfortunately, I suppose for the, the people that like the historic side of it, they've all but died away. Um, where, where I am in Okayama, we have the Bichu Toji Guild, um, of which our master brewer is a member. Um, but yeah, they all have their different um, standards and, uh, and frameworks for becoming a master brewer. Um, to actually become a, become a Toji, so forget the translation to master brewer, just the person in charge of the brewery, and there was no qualification. Um, if you're told that you're the master brewer, then you're the master brewer. Um, and that's it. It's just the owner's decision. Um, but for the guilds, the historic ones, yes, there, there is an exam to become a part of that guild. Wow. Wow. It sounds, uh, that sounds pretty intense. And that's awesome that, that they have those standards in place. It's really cool. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I guess final question is, you know, a lot of people listen to this episode. It's going to be the weekend when this comes out. It comes out on Friday every week. So you know, we want to get some sake drinking in. What's your recommended way to drink sake? Or does it matter? Depend on the sake you're drinking? Or is there, what's your favorite way to drink it? I guess the easier way to ask that question. The, th- the thing with sake is not to worry about the how it's getting drunk. Don't don't get too hung up on it. Um, I'm I'm quite passionate about this in the sense that I think there's, there's a lot of people who get the wrong perception about sake. It, don't sort of it's a very, very easy going drink. Don't sort of get hung up on it. it should be this temperature, it should be that. It is compared to say wine, um, it is the most forgiving drink. Um, and, and it's part of the, 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 the beauty of sake is that you can take one bottle uh, and you can try it at a number of different temperatures uh, and there will be a sweet spot for that sake. Um, but it's, it's gonna taste pretty good in a wide variety of different temperatures. Um, you know, one thing that I like, I, I tend to be seasonal. I love warm sake right now because it's, it's very, very cold. Um, and there's a, there's a huge plethora of different uh, temperatures that you can play with, uh, just with, with the different types of warm temperatures. Um, chilled sake in the summer, again, is fantastic. For me, that's a little bit harder. Um, you, you really need to, to be more careful with that because if you chill sake too much, um, it can become quite astringent uh, and and bitter, um, but um, but yeah, it's it's some types can some some are not suited to it. But there's a kind of real trend right now. You see a lot of people drinking sake at wine glasses and they're super chilled, um, which is fine. But it, it, you need to be careful with the the type of sake that you're doing. But just experiment, keep an open mind. Um, you know, don't worry about what someone's told you. Um, you shouldn't shouldn't do just enjoy it and whatever you think is good at whatever temperature you think is good whatever vessel you think is good go with that and it's, it's that's by definition the best way to drink it there you go guys andrew thanks so much for your time today please check out originsake.com and his facebook and instagram uh because he's doing some cool stuff and uh, yeah thanks so much for your time today and keep it rocking my friend pleasure james thanks again i really hope you enjoyed today's inside japan podcast dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you check out altinsider.com and for regular up-to-the-minute job postings check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of japan and good luck gambate
Don't see the bad. Don't go.